It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. The Cincinnati Reds are going to have a hard time finding wins at Chavez Ravine this weekend, especially if the lineup disappears like it did against the Guardians. But is there a path to a series win? You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all platforms. I am Stephen Offenbaker alongside Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have turned that passion into information for you. On today's podcast, we have a crossover edition of the show with the Locked On Dodgers host, Jeff Snyder. We are going to preview the Reds' four-game series out in Los Angeles. So uh, without further ado, let's get right to it. All right, we are here with Jeff Snyder from Locked On Dodgers. This is Jeff Carr and Stephen Offenbaker from Locked On Reds. We're going to cross over. We're going to talk about this four-game set in Chavez Ravine. We got Jackie Robinson Day on Friday. It's a big weekend for the Reds and the Dodgers. A a former great rivalry. I don't necessarily know that we're talking about much of a rivalry, especially when you're talking about this season. It really looks like David versus Goliath because, well. 
the Dodgers, they like to win and they like to pay for wins and they're good at doing that. And they're good at building teams that do that. And the Reds are like, Hey, if we can not pay for wins and still win, then maybe we could, you know, try that anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's start first though, with the big topic, Jeff, because Clayton Kershaw was masterful. In fact, some might use that P word, but then he didn't get to finish the game. What's going on over there? You know, it's a, it's a hard situation. I am the biggest Clayton Kershaw fan in the world, literally and figuratively size wise. You put me next to every other Clayton Kershaw fan. I'm bigger than them. And I love him more. Uh, I would have loved to see a Clayton Kershaw perfect game, but it was never going to happen. Like nobody throws a complete game in their first start of the season. Hardly ever. You know, I would guess the last one was probably Kershaw in 2013. Uh, I, you know, maybe somebody's thrown a perfect game in his first start of the season since then, but there, it doesn't happen very often. And then you throw in, this is a guy who's been on the injured list the last five seasons, who's coming off a season ending injury last year, didn't pick up a ball until January, had a shortened spring training and it's 36 degrees. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the fact can't is, put a roof on the Minnesota state, oh like, come my on, gosh, what was that <laughs> somebody deserves to be fired for that? But, you know, the reason you have a plan coming into a game like this, the reason you sit down with Kirsch and say, hey, you know what, for your first start this year, we, we want to get you to 80, 85 pitches. You know, you make that plan together. And the reason for that is you have a plan for the whole season, your plan to keep Kershaw relatively healthy all year so you can be healthy in October. That's the goal. And to throw away a smart, well thought out plan for a 20% chance of making history, personal history, doesn't make sense to me, especially when you factor in what, what Kershaw said after the game, that the last inning or two, he thought his, his slider sucked. And so, you know, it's unlikely he was going to complete the perfect game anyway. And he's already at the pitch count you set and there's two innings left. Do you really want to exceed his best case scenario? And he throws the perfect game. He just threw 25 or 30 more pitches than you planned on coming off injury, bad weather, short and spring training, all those things we mentioned. And worst case scenario, you know, it gets broken up in the ninth and he threw 25 more pitches than you planned on. And he doesn't even get the history, you know? And so as much as I would have loved, I still June 14 or June 18th, 2014, Clayton Kershaw's no hitter. That should have been a perfect game. If Hanley Ramirez knew how to play shortstop, that is still a great day for me. I, I know that date. My wife spent 11 and a half months making a cross stitch of Clayton Kershaw standing with his arm in the air on the mound after he threw that no hitter. Like I am a huge Clayton Kershaw fan. I would have loved to see the perfect game. It was never going to happen. And Dave Roberts and Clayton Kershaw sat down together in the dugout after the sixth inning and had that conversation and decided together that it wasn't going to happen. So let's do one more inning and call it a day. Kershaw was at peace with that decision. Roberts was at peace with the decision. And the only people, and honestly, I think people who care about the Dodgers success this season in general are fine with the decision. And it's people, the unbiased observers, the ones who, I just want to see a good game. I don't care who wins. Well, of course you want the guy to go for the perfect game. I want Clayton Kershaw to be standing on the mound at the end of the world series, you know? 
I think sure. that's probably the a, a really great way to lay that out. And and I know, like you mentioned, the the non Dodgers fans that are just baseball fans. Uh, we have a lot of them in Reds country that talk about Kershaw starts and root for him and any start that's not against Cincinnati. And I think that I think that you really hit the key point there, which is: Would you rather Kershaw have a perfect game in April? and run the risk of not having him in October, or would you rather have him for a potential World Series run? And I bet if you ask him the question directly like that, would you rather have a World Series ring or a perfect game? He's going to say World Series ring every time. And he basically said as much after the game. He said that, I know what we're trying to do here. This It would have been selfish for me to try to keep going. In fact, his only reason that he said that he would have liked to stay in was so that Austin Barnes could catch a no-hitter because that's pretty cool. Like that, this is a ultimate <laughs> team player. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he, even Clayton Kershaw's postseason struggles in his career have been because he was being the ultimate team player. He was going on short rest. He was pitching deeper into it a game because Don Mattingly didn't trust his bullpen. All those things. Clayton Kershaw is the ultimate team player. And, and we saw today and people see it, at, you know, Fergie Jenkins didn't like it. Well, shut up, Fergie Jenkins. Clayton Kershaw's better than you, you know, <laughs> bottom line. And, and yeah, so, so uh, it, it was a very selfless decision that, that, Kershaw helped Roberts make. Well, it was interesting because the Reds had a young lefty on the mound uh, yesterday that kind of had the opposite effect, like looking at two guys who throw from the left side of the mound and are really going to be important for their teams in different ways. Kershaw is going to be leading the Dodgers to a World Series this year. I firmly believe that. When it comes to Nick Lodolo, it's probably going to take a few years for him to be a part of a Reds World Series team. And we saw that over the last couple of days, the way that this lineup is hitting and the way that the bullpen, it's a young bullpen. This isn't the same yard sale bullpen that we had last year in Cincinnati, but there's still going to be some struggles. And with that, we are betting on the bullpen in game one. We'll talk about pitching matchups and things like that here in a few minutes. But coming into this series, the Reds are kind of looking way up at the Dodgers. Honestly, they're kind of looking in-house to make sure that they get their consistency rolling. And here they are going out to L.A. to face just a crazy buzzsaw. You know, if we can come away from this Dodgers, I mean, I'm going to be honest. If we come out of this Dodgers series without getting swept, if we can steal one, in LA. Yeah. I'll consider it. I'll consider it a success. The way things are going right now, the the disruption that we have in the lineup, the uncertainty at third base, the the inconsistency in the bullpen, the inconsistency with the young starters. If we get one win in Los Angeles, I will be happy to get the hell out of there and head to San Diego. I mean, seriously. And I promise, Jeff, we are not just being nice because this is the first time you're talking to Steve. <laughs> should, should we just agree on a, a three three to one series and, and call it a day you know all uh, right this has been locked no i'm kidding obviously <laughs> i prefer a sweep but but i'll take three wins out of the next four you know i uh it, yeah it, it'll be it'll be interesting the there's a re, you know it's a cliche to say there's a reason the game's not played on paper uh, but like most cliches that's true you know and the dodgers lost a series to the rockies this past weekend uh despite the fact that the dodgers are significantly better team than the rockies uh, the Dodgers lost the series. And so anything can happen. Uh, but I definitely have my fingers crossed that the thing we expect to happen happens. You know, Jeff, you look at this team day in and day out, this Dodger team that, as you mentioned, if you look at them on paper, they don't have a weakness. There's really not any particular area you can point at and say they really need to go out and work on that. But as a guy that watches them every day, and then we're not just talking about on paper now, you see the actual product. Uh, what is the best avenue to attack this team? Is there a weakness there that you don't just readily see if you're looking at the stat sheets? 
You know, th- th- there's definitely weaknesses. Uh, the Dodgers starting pitching right now is a little bit questionable. Walker Bueller pitched pretty darn well on opening day. And uh, obviously Andrew Heaney and Clayton Kershaw both pitched well in Minnesota. Uh, but one of those names I just said was Andrew Heaney. And so th- there's a, it's a question mark there, you know, the, as well as he pitched on Tuesday, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I would expect him to pitch that well again. Uh, I hope he does, but you know, and Julio Urias who won 20 games last year, went 20 and three, he was terrible in his first start against the Rockies. And so, you know, obviously that's in Colorado. You never know what to make of a bad start in Colorado. Uh, and then the, the, the start in between those or the other starter is Tony Gonsolin with Tyler Anderson piggybacking. Both of those guys have potential to be really good, but there's, you know, there's question marks there. And so right now, while they're waiting for, you know, waiting for Trevor Bauer's situation to be resolved, however, that's going to happen and and trying to figure out what their starting rotation is going to be. I'd say that is, if not a weak spot, at least a potential glimmer of hope for Reds fans. Uh, You know, I mean, you have to watch where else you're going to go, but uh, the uh, yeah. And and then the other thing is uh, you've got Cody Bellinger who right now, you know, former MVP Cody Bellinger, has had two bad seasons in a row and is well on his way to a third. Although he did on Wednesday, he had uh, a double and a homer, uh, his first two extra base hits of the season. But, you know, he is not MVP Cody Bellinger right now. Uh, And Justin Turner doesn't look quite right. Max Muncy did hit a home run, so maybe he's going to be okay. He hasn't looked quite right yet. Uh, A lot of the offense hasn't totally clicked yet. It started to click in Minnesota, seven runs each game in the two games in Minnesota. Things started to click, but the offense, uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if the Dodgers offense struggles in a game or two of this series. Coming up, we're going to tell you why Hunter Green is the pitcher that worries the Dodgers the most. And yeah, we're talking Hunter Green over Tyler Malley. We're going to tell you why that's an interesting bet. And if you're looking for an interesting bet, head on over to betonline.net. They've got all of the sports info, props, odds, and lines that you can handle and so much more. Betonline.net has you covered when it comes to baseball. Plus, we've got the NBA playoffs that are coming up here in a few days. You can jump in on that action there. The NHL is rolling toward its playoff season. Playoff hockey, man. I mean, what's better than that? Well, okay, maybe playoff baseball, but I'm a little biased there. Anyway, Betonline.net has you covered for all of that great stuff, and you don't want to miss any of the offers that they have for you. They've got a lot of great offers every single season that's betonline.net next time you're looking for a prop an odd a line on whatever sport you want to cover i mean we're talking about even boxing ufc wwe they've got vegas casino games as well that's betonline.net where the game starts we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed 
When you're done listening to our episode here with Jeff Snyder, make sure you go check out Lockdown MLB Prospects. Lindsey Crosby has you covered. When you're talking about the minor leagues and even college baseball, it's Lockdown MLB Prospects, just like Lockdown Reds, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And on tomorrow's episode, we are going to recap and it's going to be like tomorrow afternoonish. I mean, Hey, this is a West coast road trip. You don't want to hear me talk at 2 AM. You certainly don't want to hear Steve talk at 2 AM. So we're going to talk the day after about what goes on in this bullpen game for the red legs against Walker Bueller. That's coming up tomorrow, but let's jump back into the conversation and let's talk some pitching and why Hunter green is so scary for Dodger fans. It might be interesting to see in game one because the Reds are going to kind of throw the bullpen at this thing. Rebar San Martin was supposed to start, but I think what they're going to do is use Luis Sessa as an opener, at least for the first inning, maybe first two innings, depending on how well he pitches because San Martin had a bit of struggles there in the second inning against Atlanta and had a whole bunch of walks. So they're going to try and bolster him and help him out a little bit and mix things up with this Dodger lineup in game one going up against Walker Bueller. It's going to be interesting to see about that. When you looked at Walker Bueller's first start, what do you think really stood out the most? Uh, I mean, basically other than being stretched out, he looked like, uh, is it classic Walker Bueller thing? Is he old enough to have classic Walker Bueller? Basically <laughs> he looked like last year's version of Walker Bueller. He looked really good. He had one inning that he gave up a few singles and a couple runs came in easily could have only been one run. And other than that, he, you know, he, he pitched five innings and looked really good in four of them. And uh, you know, he, he grew up a Reds fan. So maybe his love for Bronson Arroyo will, will do something in this series, but. Uh, well, he, he and I got something coming there. <laughs> well, <laughs> you and I have the same first name, but not the same opinion about Bronson Arroyo apparently. <laughs> um, but uh, man, that uh, I got to diverge. The Dodgers home opener last year when they got their world series rings and every player had a video message from his childhood favorite player and Walker Bueller's was Bronson Arroyo and Bronson Arroyo played a song on his guitar and sang and a lot of people liked it. I was in the stadium and I believe uh, it was the worst thing that ever happened at Dodger stadium. <laughs> and there have been some bad things that have happened at Dodger stadium. I think that was the worst. But anyway, though we were getting Walker, this hot takey on today's episode. This is good. Walker Bueller <laughs> is a is a very good pitcher, and I expect him to be ready to go six or seven innings and and look about like he looked last year when he was a Cy Young finalist. I um I think a guy like that. I mean, he sounds like a dude who pitched back in the '40s, so he can be a classic Walker Bueller. I I, I like watching Walker Bueller pitch. So as a whole, that's probably the best, um, I, I think the most lopsided matchup in favor of the pitching for the Dodgers. Saturday's going to be intriguing. You, you kind of talked about, um, not Gonsolin, but um, Julio. Julio Urias. Yeah, Urias going up against Hunter Green. Um, Hunter Green got his first start in Atlanta, and it's like, okay, you're going to make your major league debut against the defending World Series champion and the likely World Series champion for your first two starts. Congratulations. So he gets to pitch in Dodger Stadium, and he was always a big Dodgers fan growing up. So it's going to be just a huge emotional moment for him. I'm intrigued to see how he responds to all of that. When you look at the Reds' 
probable starters. Who is the one? Is Hunter Green the guy that you are most not worried about? But when you look at that matchup, do you wonder about the Dodgers lineup or who is? Yeah, you know, Hunter Green is definitely the one you circle in this series. It's I watched his start in Atlanta. He looked really good, looked very poised for a guy making his major league debut. Obviously, did give up a couple home runs. He's, you know, and that happens a lot with with guys with really good fastballs. Sometimes they maybe depend too much on the fastball. And uh, the Dodgers are good fastball hitters. I think it's a fun matchup uh, to to see Hunter Green pumping 101, 102 miles an hour. And uh, I don't know if he hit 102, but he was, you know, 100, 101. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, and seeing that against this Dodgers lineup, I think it's going to be a ton of fun. And I, I think Julio is going to have to step up and be a lot better than he was in Colorado because I think uh, – I don't think the Dodgers are going to score a ton of runs on Saturday. You know, Jeffrey, as as much as I agree with Jeff that the Hunter Green matchup is the fun one, it's the one that's going to kind of be interesting to watch and and just see how Hunter Green handles uh, the bright lights of Hollywood, so to speak. Uh, I think, you know, I've said before, Hunter Green is unafraid and he's going to go out there and he's going to do his thing. Uh, but I think the, the real pitching matchup, the one that I'm most interested to see is Road Mally. And mm. if, if Tyler Malley can go out there and shut down uh, this Dodger lineup, because that's the start, that's the game, that's the one I think the Reds are going to get. That's, that's the one of the series I think they're going to take. Yeah, I'm, it, it was annoying to see that home Malley kind of cropped up in a weird way on Reds opening day when they opened up against the uh, Guardians at home. I, I think that some of that had to do with the error that he committed there and it kind of threw him off timing wise, but overall, I still believe that he's going to normalize his splits. He had crazy home road splits this last year, but something about getting out of great American ballpark really fires him up. And I know that I'm trying to remember, I think it was the first series they faced the Dodgers in Chavez Ravine uh, last year. Tyler Malley actually pitched really well, in that game, if I remember right, and I probably should have looked up the box score before I started talking about it. But um, yeah, it, it was a game in which I, I saw Tyler Malley pitch pretty well. And then you got Vladimir Gutierrez bouncing back after a little bit, not, not a super rough start in Atlanta. He had a couple of bad luck things go against him. So how is he going to respond on uh, Friday there against Gonsolin? I, that might be that might be the highest scoring game overall. Cause I think the Dodgers might, you know, Bueller might shut down the reds on Tuesday or on Thursday. Um, but I think the two pitchers overall, I think we're going to see a lot of runs on Friday. That, that Tyler Malley game at Dodger stadium that you're talking about was last April. And yeah, he pitched five innings uh, and only allowed one run. And, and uh, the, the reds ended up winning that game later in the game, he got a no decision. Uh, but the thing that, that the Dodgers will do to you, he lasted five innings and he threw 97 pitches yes. and he only walked two guys. It's not like he was walking everybody, but the Dodgers will work counts. And that was something they didn't really do in Colorado. They only had six walks in the three games of Colorado, but then on, on Tuesday against the twins, they had nine walks should have been 10, except that uh, uh, the umpire was really bad at his job. Jerry meals, if you can imagine. Uh, and, no, not him. <laughs> and then, uh, yes. and then on, on Wednesday, they didn't have as many walks, but you know Chris Paddock only lasted four innings and threw close to eighty pitches because they were just working counts, getting deep in counts, getting into hitters counts, and that's what the Dodgers really do. And so I know it's been a year, and I know Tyler Malley had a really good season last year, and so I don't know if that's a 
a common issue with him of throwing too many pitches, uh, but it's something that the Dodgers can do to a guy. And no matter how well you pitch, if they have you out in the fourth or fifth inning, that kind of makes uh, the things a lot tougher for the bullpen to get through the rest of the game. You know, on the flip side of what you're saying with the Dodgers offense and them being able to to take a lot of pitches and, and work a lot of counts and and run up those pitch counts, the Reds offense right now is really struggling to find itself. We've got Mike Moustakis, who's probably looked the worst that I've ever seen him look in his career um, to the point where I, I really think that if this continues another game or two, David Bell should consider setting him down. He should be done. This experiment should be over. Uh, I talked with Jeffrey off air that you know, they could bring up a guy we have in AAA right now named LA. Lopez, who there's absolutely no way he could play worse than Moustakis is playing right now. So uh, there's a hole there. Uh, we've had a problem with our outfielders getting going. Uh, you know, Tommy Pham has yet to, to record a hit, although he has gotten on base. Uh, Nick Senzel has been playing an amazing outfield, but he hasn't got it going yet. Uh, Aristides Aquino is Aristides Aquino, uh, potential to run into one, but big giant hole in his swing and everybody takes advantage of it. So that list goes on and on and on. Votto hasn't got hot. India has played respectable and Tyler Stevenson has played well, but, but they have not really gelled. They haven't gotten hot. So it is my hope that we come out to Los Angeles and get into the sunshine and the great weather. And, and along with the temperatures, this Reds offense catches fire as well. Well, you know, and, and it's nice. They get to face Walker Bueller in the first game. So that should help. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll have to wait like 24 hours or something like that. Now, when, when I look at this offense, I I'm with you moose and Aquino both. I don't know that Aquino looks lost at the plate so much as moose does moose swung at a bouncing ball at him. Like there was a curve ball that bounced in front of him and he swung at it for strike three. Like there's so much about Moose's game right now that looks off is the kind word. So what do you do with third base? Because your next man up is Colin Moran because Donovan Solano's on the IL and you're talking about uh, Jose Barrero on the IL. So you can't move Kyle Farmer around. I would love to see Kyle Farmer at third once Jose Barrero is healthy, but Jose Barrero ain't getting here till at least May. It's going to be really rough to see how the Reds kind of piece together this lineup with the dudes that they have on the injured list. And it's nice that Tyler Naquin kind of had a pretty decent two game set against the guardians, but that was against right-handed pitching dude has struggled against left-handed pitching in his career. And he had a couple of hits so far this year against them, but overall I don't trust him against a left-handed pitcher. And uh, so long as the Dodgers have a left-handed pitcher on the roster, it's going to be interesting to see how the Reds bounce back because they did well against Max Freed, but they haven't really been tested outside of that. Coming up, the three of us are going to tell you whether or not it is possible for the Cincinnati Reds to steal a series victory in this four-game set out at Dodger Stadium in Chavez Ravine. We're going to break it down coming up next. Make sure you are following us on Twitter. I am at S Offenbaker. You can also follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. You can also follow the show at Locked on Reds. And don't forget to head over to the YouTube channel. If you are in our audio feeds, get over to YouTube, click that subscribe button. There's exclusive video content over there. You are not going to want to miss. And if you're watching us on YouTube already, thank you very much. Big smile for you. Click that subscribe button down below so you don't miss any of the extras we're going to be posting throughout the 2022 baseball season. So without further ado, let's jump right back into our conversation with Jeff Snyder, where we're going to tell you whether or not it's possible for your Cincinnati Reds to steal a series victory out in Los Angeles. 
know, Jeff, I have a question for you. The, okay. the Reds have built themselves to really be a team of platoons. And they're, 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 very, uh, they're very dependent on getting the right matchups. Uh, Jeff and I were talking off air before you came on and wondering just how disruptive using Luis Sessa as an opener would be to this Dodger lineup and, and the matchups. Can you speak to uh, your thoughts on that, whether or not there'll be some success there in creating some matchup advantage? Or is this Dodger lineup just so potent that it's really not going to matter? You know, the Dodgers right now, I've actually been pleasantly surprised. They have not been very platoony so far this season. I know it's only five games, but basically uh, they they started Edwin Rios on the second game of the season. Uh, mostly just, you know, Dave Roberts said it was because he wanted to get him in against the righty, uh, Herman Marquez. Uh, but I think a lot of it was just because somebody needed a day off and you got to give these guys a chance sometimes. But, you know, Gavin Lux is probably the has the worst platoon splits of anybody in their starting lineup. He's started all five games and they've only faced one lefty on opening day. And he had the biggest hit of that game. And, and, and you know, and so, uh, but everybody else, you know, Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy are both lefties who hit lefties just fine. When Cody Bellinger's hitting anybody, he hits lefties as well as he hits righties, I should say. Um, and then, you know, Freddie Freeman is not a guy who's split heavy, uh, and, and, you know, the right-handers, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, Trey Turner, those guys, they really don't have anybody who – I don't think the Dodgers are going to adjust their lineup at all based on using an opener, and they're not going to be throwing pinch hitters out, out there. The Dodgers really seem to have come into this season saying, this is our starting nine, and, yeah, guys are going to get days off sometimes. Uh, and so some of these bench players, they only have three bench players. Right now they're carrying 16 pitchers, you know, and so they they have – uh, it, it really, it's two bench players. They have their backup catcher, Austin Barnes, and then they have Hanser Alberto and uh, Edwin Rios. And that's, that's their bench. Wow. And so they're not going to be making that many decisions. You know, maybe you have, uh, if there's a lefty situation, is, uh, is Sessa a righty or lefty? Righty. Righty. Okay. So, you know, maybe, I don't even know, because Hanser Alberto is definitely a guy who hits lefties better than he hits righties. And Rios definitely hits righties better than he hits lefties. Uh, and so maybe late in the game, but it's definitely not going to affect their, their game planning strategy at all. I'm intrigued to see how the, how David Bell manages that. And don't tempt him with a good time saying that uh, the Dodgers are carrying <laughs> 16 pitchers like that. He'll, he'll do that before you have a chance to blink your eye. But overall, when I look at how the Reds are set up in this series, I, I just, I, look up and down the Dodgers lineup and it seems like one through nine, it's a tough out for the Reds right now. I mean, outside of Tyler Stevenson, Tyler Stevenson has been a tough out. Joey Votto has seen a lot of pitches, hasn't really caught fire just yet, but there's not a lot of guys. India, he's all right at the top of the lineup. Once you get past the first four, maybe first three at this point, depending on who you're looking at, uh, it, it, it might be a little bit rough. Uh, who is, all right, let's, let's say this. Who's the best Dodger hitter at the end of this season? At the end of the season. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think that this is hard because there's, you know, there's so many, good there's ones. a few legitimate <laughs> possibilities, you know, uh, my guess would be either Mookie Betts or Trey Turner. Uh, mm -hmm. But then I, but then my brain says, Hey, stupid, you forgot Freddie Freeman. <laughs> and then my brain says, Hey, remember Max Muncy? And then my brain says, well, Gavin Lux is their best hitter so far. He's batting over 400 stupid. 
you know, and my brain is really mean to me when you ask me this question, Jeff, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think Mookie Betts is the best player, uh, the best hitter on, on the team. Uh, but, you know, he, he wasn't last year. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, if I had to put money on somebody, it would be Mookie Betts. But that's why, you know, uh, despite some sponsors of, of the Lockdown Podcast Network, I'm not really a betting man because uh, I don't know. Is that a good answer? I don't know. Is no, that I, good I, podcasting? I, I, I think yeah. this is good content, right? You could almost you could almost just list all of the names and throw a dart, and you'd have probably just as much chance of being right because there's so many there's so much talent in that lineup. I mean, you really it's really hard to narrow it down. Whereas on the Cincinnati side of things, there's a couple names. It, it could be Jonathan India, it could be Joey Votto, it could be Tyler Stevenson. That's pretty much it. That's the list. Yeah, and, and you know, if I threw the the dart and it landed on Cody Bellinger, people would laugh at me. But that dude won an MVP three years ago, right. and he's and he's twenty. I think he'll be twenty seven. I think he was born right after I graduated high school. I think he's not even twenty seven years old yet. You know, so he's in his prime. He won an MVP just three years ago. And so Cody Bellinger could very easily figure it out and be one of the best players in baseball again from now until the end of the season. And he's the guy who people would laugh at you if you picked him right now. Yeah, the the spin zone storyline for the Reds this year has been trying to catch lightning in a bottle. And if that's the case in comparison, well, the Dodgers are the lightning. Um, if. And, and there's like a small scenario that this even happens. But if the series goes three, one to the reds, how's that happen? Uh, I mean, obviously Hunter green and Tyler Malley would both pitch really well and shut down the Dodgers offense. Uh, it's hard for me. Like I know anything can happen. I know the Dodgers just lost a series to the Rockies. Hmm. It's really hard for me to picture this series going to the reds. Uh yeah, but you know, anything can happen in a baseball game. You guys can struggle, you know, and, and uh, obviously, it's almost a good thing, I guess, that that Andrew Heaney is going up against Malley. I think and that's the last game, right? That Malley's pitching. Yep, yep. Um, Sunday. Yeah. And so that'll be against Andrew Heaney, and so you know, it, that could be a game like like Steve was saying. That might be the one to circle for Reds fans because. Andrew Heaney still definitely has some, some question marks. We don't know what to expect from him. Uh, and, you know, Julio has some question marks after his start in Colorado. Uh, and, and then, you know what, then the other game is Tony Gonsolin and, and Tyler Anderson piggybacking and both that I I'd go so far as to say anything can happen in a game that Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson are pitching seven of the innings. There's a, I, I think it's most likely that it goes the Dodgers way that day. Uh, simply because the Dodgers do have a better offense than the Reds on paper. But I, I don't know that I would, uh, again, I wouldn't put money on it because I don't put money on things because I am not that committed to any of my beliefs. <laughs> yeah, you know, Jeff, I, I think I, I think I'm along the same lines. It's really hard to find that third win in the series for the Reds. Uh, I can see it in the Hunter Green game. I can see it in the Tyler Malley game. But to find that third one, it's going to have to be just one of those flukes it's going to have to be a, a, a weird error that breaks an inning open it's going to have to be something that we just can't predict it's going to be ha something has to go drastically wrong for the dodgers for the reds to find that third win in the series uh, I, I think i agree with jeff on that and those things happen in baseball that's the you know they, they happen all the time and you know in any given series yeah I, i'd say the reds have a you know 30 chance of winning this series 
Uh, and you know, that means three out of 10 times it's going to happen, even though none of us right now can picture how it would happen. Uh, but you know, it, it could easily happen. I really hope it doesn't. I'll be mad at you guys. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I think you guys are both saying three, one, I'm, I'm going to go contrarian. I'm going to say two, two. I, I, I don't feel strongly about that. Cause I feel like this is a really, really bad weekend for the red legs and they have got to get the ship right because they are floundering right now. And it's on the heels as like you said, uh, where reds fans going to go. It's on the heels of some wonderful comments on opening day. So they've really got to figure some stuff out to keep fans interested because their owner has already put the pressure on the players where they already were feeling the whole lightning in the bottle pressure anyway. So yeah, I, I think a series split is like the optimistic hope of that and uh overall at the end of the day <laughs> it's gonna be a tough one watching this uh these four games unfold well i hope that reds fans do come together behind this team um re- regardless of what uh, the sure. owner's son said you know the the fact is that we are fans of the players we're not fans of the owners and right. unfortunately there's not a way to support the reds that doesn't put money into the pockets of the people who don't care about Reds fans. Uh, and, and so that's frustrating. Uh, but, you know, I hope, I, I don't know what, what it looks like for the Reds fans to be able to band behind this team uh, in a way that actually is helpful. But I hope that you guys can figure it out because Cincinnati is a great baseball town. It's like the original baseball town. Uh, it's a nice stadium there. Uh, I, I have only been there once, but I loved it. Uh, you know, really it, it's a, it's a great baseball town and Cincinnati deserves better than what it currently has. And hopefully, you know, I don't think the trades that they made were terrible in a long-term view. Uh, It kind of sucks right now what they're going through and I hope that it works. And I hope that at some point major league baseball figures out a way to uh, make it so that city teams don't have to crap on their cities and their fans for a couple of years at a time in order to be successful, or at least don't think they have to. Uh, I, I don't think they do, did have to do that. Uh, I understand why they think they did. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, other than this weekend and whenever the Dodgers go to Cincinnati, I wish nothing but the best for the Reds and Red fans. Uh, like you said, it hasn't really been a rivalry since the seventies, probably since the big red machine. Uh, and, and so uh, until then, you know, it's a, it's a bummer of a situation and I'm makes me glad that uh, my team's owners like spending their money. That's a good spot to end today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening and for watching the Locked On Reds podcast and making us your first listen of the day. Now go make Locked On MLB your second listen is Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully though. Has you covered with his unique perspective of major league baseball past and present that's locked on mlb just like locked on reds free and available wherever you get your podcast tomorrow afternoon make sure you check out our reactions to game one in los angeles and as we look ahead to a weekend of baseball at chavez ravine for the cincinnati reds the reds might be in a little bit of a struggle right now steve and with everything going on and 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 all of the nastiness and things coming from the ownership side of things uh People probably are wondering about our Cincinnati Reds, but when they talk about you and when they talk about me, what can they expect? No matter what's going on in the baseball world, you can count on Jeff and I to be locked on Reds every single day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.